Welcome to 12 Questions. Hi. Hello. This podcast sponsored by Cantor. Not really. I've, if they were sponsoring us, that would be great. Uh, just a little bit. Just a little. I mean, we'll take it. Just we'll a, take it. Just a, just a little notch. Yeah. It's going to be all gorilla pods for the next few weeks because I've been traveling and this is just the life. We're doing it. I do nothing but gorilla podcasts. I prefer it. It doesn't sound as good as an in-studio into two shore mics, but you know what? I prefer like having someone in their natural habitat. Yes, and my natural habitat is a diner. It's tougher to get people to do it in LA. Like in New York, people kind of get it. And yeah. They're like, they're like, yeah, come to my apartment, it's fine. But yeah. here in LA, people are like, you want to come to my office? That's weird. That's weird. That's weird. So on this podcast, we have the guests introduce themselves just in case they want to talk about something and remain anonymous. Okay, hi, I'm Liam McEnany. I uh, busted my anonymity on WTF with Mark Marin, so I'm not too concerned about it anymore. Yay! Uh, on s- this past Saturday, I celebrated nine years sober. That's incredible. Yeah, I'm a hero. <laughs> I'm a role model for children. <laughs> I love it. I love that at the uh, we were just at the improv, and there were a bunch of people just kind of in line, and some of them were fuming, and occasionally you and I would just look at each other and just be like, eh. <laughs> Whatever. You know, it, yeah, it's funny. Like, uh, it is good to have. I, it is good to have a program and, and like just a program for living and like a way of keeping uh, keeping myself in check. Yeah, it really helps. I mean, I haven't been to a meeting since Saturday, so I'm starting to feel a little crazy. It's time. It's time. It's time. I'm, I'm going to Santa Monica after this, and I might catch one in between. Uh, well, I, I won't have time, but maybe catch the midnight on my way back. That's smart. I'm catching a 10 o'clock at VHS. It's right. It's on Sunset. It's fine. It's all good. VHS? Oh, yeah. The 8,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess I shouldn't be naming Naming, naming exactly where things are. You know what? Somebody might be listening to this and be like, I wonder where there's a meeting. I did that on on WTF. I started just talking about New York AA. Not everybody was thrilled about that. I didn't name any names, but I was definitely like not happy with something the intergroup was doing. Oh dear. And you know me, I just fucking speak without thinking. So and afterwards Mark was like, Well, is there anything you wanna cut? And I was like, nah, fuck it. I love that it. he asked that. I, I secretly he's he is one of in, in addition to you, one of the very big gets I would like to for this podcast. The thing about Mark is I, I, he's been nothing but nice to me, but he's, he's Mark Marin, you know? Yeah. Uh, yes, thank you very much. I love Diet it. Diet Coke. <laughs> we are fully in a restaurant. Oh my God, I recorded a podcast at Denny's. <gasps> and, uh, a Dencast. It, it was good, actually. Like, it was noisy as hell, but it worked. See? Exactly. Yeah. You get what we're doing here. I get it, man. I'm into you it. get it? I'm into it. You get it. So on this podcast, I ask you 12 questions that are insp- they're inspired by the 12 steps. Oh. They're not necessarily the 12 steps, but they're inspired okay. by. Um, and you're fantastic. Every time thank I, you very much. Every time I see you, I'm just like, oh, I'm so happy. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Wow. So how do you, in your life, experience surrender? Oh, we're going right to step three. Okay. Ah, well, technically. I mean, it could be like one and three. Uh, when we get to step three, I have a lot to say about it. So. Oh, really? I just yeah. finished one myself. I'm going through again. Well, we'll talk about it, but there was uh-huh. there's a New York meeting specifically about step three called Pulling the Donut. 
it's my favorite meeting in the world. Ooh, I love that. But uh, shout so, out to New York. Shout out to New York. Uh, <laughs> again, naming it. Now you can Google it and find it if you need. It, if you need it. Uh, how the experience rendered well? I moved to Los Angeles. I wasn't a big name in, in New York City comedy, but I definitely had some status and some places where I knew I could perform. You had some team, yeah. There was a club where I was past, like I could perform regularly and get paid. Uh, and then moving to LA, it was tougher than I expected. Right. Like people always warn me it would be tough. People warn me like, you know, like it takes you a couple years to really get your feet under you. Yeah. They warn me. They even warn me like, basically. Being a comedian and going to L.A., no matter what you've done before, unless you have a job and or representation, it's like transferring from one university to another, but the second university doesn't accept the credits. Yeah, it's like transferring from like University of Phoenix right. to like UCLA or something. There's no way you can take that with you. Yeah, or even yeah. just like transferring from Queens College to USC. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like... so. It was tough. I got busted back down to open micer. We were just at the improv open mic. Yeah. And, you know, it's like... Me, it, you, and a bunch of other people with some good credits. Dude, it's no joke. I won't out. That's, a, that's more of an out that I won't do. Like, sobriety, whatever, I'm all out yeah. myself. But in terms of open mic, I think you're the first person I've ever talked to about this on mic about. Yeah. Uh, so I hope nobody listens to this. No, uh, you're doing good. You're working no, no, no. hard. You've but got humility. Like, so it's like... Well, so the open mic was in the main room at the Improv this week, and it was tough. I like that room. I like I it better. I love the there. room. Yeah. I, they, they're very good to me there. They've, they've allowed me to do late night sets there. Nice. And uh, so it's, but it's tough to just sit there in a real comedy club with uh, literally seventy-five other people. Yeah. Waiting, hoping to get your name drawn so you can do three-minute set in front of the booker. Right. And unlike a lot of other open mics in this town, there's an actual booker watching and it yeah. can actually help you. So everyone's you. on edge a little bit. Yeah. But I'm sitting there just like, God, when can I stop paying my dues? Because you've been doing comedy for what, 200 years? For, 250? You know, a few centuries. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was doing open mics in Transylvania with Dracula in the 1400s. Fantastic. No, but, I, but, but seriously, so, but the thing... But you the, you handle know, it with grace. But here's the thing about... I didn't at first, but you didn't okay. know me my first year in L.A. Yeah. But what I was going to say is, like, there's just a point where I just let go. And I said, okay, you know what, man? I just... Uh, I'm not going to change things by not going to open mics. And also, I had this strict thing where it's like, I don't want to do the potluck open mic audition at the comedy store. Right. Oh, our food's here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Ooh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. She brought us the pickles and everything. Um, you didn't want to do the open mic with... Um... The, the open mic audition night at the comedy store. Okay. Because, and I didn't want to do the improv at first, because it was just like, well, when I want, when I, when I have bookers see me, I want them to see me strictly as a professional, with TV credits and everything. Right. But then, I just had a real moment where I was like, but these bookers aren't seeing me at all. Right. <laughs> like, as anything. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm I'm just allowing my pride to keep me from living living my life and pursuing the fucking thing I moved. This is what I moved you for. Exactly. You did it. By the way, I ordered something way more expensive than Anna did, and uh, whatever. We'll split the check. It's oh fine. my god. Oh my god. So, what was your like most insane moment, in either in or out of your recovery? Well, what do you mean by insane? Well, it can be insane good, insane bad. You know, the definition in step, you know, when we talk about it in step two, it's like we admitted that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. We have to admit in that that we were, in fact, insane. That's true. You know what's funny? I have a good answer for this. And it's going to sound like I'm humble bragging, and maybe I am a little bit. Maybe. About ten, maybe ten years ago now, I reached a point where I realized, like, for whatever reason, the whole. So I used to have this mentality, like, you're not a real comedian until you've done a special. Really. And it at least might be crazy because I would submit for these specials and never get them. Mm-hmm. And there was just a year when, like, a whole wave of people I knew who had started seven years after I started all got booked for a half hour special the same day I did a show with all of them like I was like and I was like the old timer and I really like for the first time felt like I was like god I've been doing this for so long right and I'm not getting this thing that I that I feel I deserve and they used to have this deserve mentality that right. will kill you in stand-up comedy. It will kill you. I caught it. After I did after I did Roast Battle, I caught it for a second. And then, like... Well, you did the Roast Battle TV show, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you're... I had to, like, un... It's taken me, like, almost two years to really unfuck that in my brain. I feel like I don't... That I'm just like everybody else. Because I see people like you. I see people all over the place. Right. They're just fucking... You know, they've been doing it... That our professionals have been doing it for 2,000 years. And I'm not special. I am 20 years older than Anna. I didn't even know that. You look so young. I, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, I did my first TV set, and it took me a few years to really get my head out of my own ass. So I was just like, I had this idea, like, you do your TV set and you're set. Yeah. And it took me a while to realize, like, no, that's when it starts. That's when the work starts. That's when the work really starts. Yeah. Um, nobody's respected a TV credit for about 40 years now. Right. Right. Like it kind of dies with Carson, right? Maybe Carson in 84, but that's about it. Um, but, so, where was I? Oh, yeah. So, so I had a real emotional meltdown. Real meltdown. Okay. I, biked, I bicycled home that night, and wow. I just decided to quit comedy. Wow. I quit for a week. <laughs> I realized nobody cared. I mean, nobody knows. Did you was, make a big Facebook announcement or something? It was before Facebook, dude. Oh man! Right before Facebook, you so put it in the penny saver, put it on your MySpace. Uh, here's the thing: I mentally announced it to myself, mm-hmm. and then after a week, I realized oh, yeah, if I drop out, people will notice eventually, but they won't really care. Right. So it's like, you know what? So I was insane. This is, this is the insanity part. Right. It turned into a positive, but I was just like so angry and so me- so like fucking out of my head, and also still drinking. Right. 
Um, so we had like you know that alcoholic mentality. Right. So I was just like, okay. My friend Victor Bernardo had directed and headlined a special that he had sold Comedy Central the year before. Whoa. And it was with, I mean, this is how long ago this was that he could get these guys. Hannibal Burris, Baron Vaughn, Marina Franklin, wow. and Eric Andre. Oh my God. It's called The Awkward Comedy Show. It's pretty good. Love it. Um, I think it's super ballsy in retrospect that he headlined that special. <laughs> Because it's quite a lineup. Um, <laughs> it was before any, anybody heard of those guys. Right. So I was just like, fuck it, I'm going to do that myself. Because I had this live show I was running called Tell Your Friends. It had a lot of big names. And I had also tried to pitch it as an album to Comedy Central Records. Because they'd done a compilation album for Invite Them Up, which was a live show in New York. Okay. And Comedy Death Ray, which now is Comedy Bang Bang. Amazing. Uh, which are both great compilation albums you can listen right. to. Um, so anyway, long story short, uh, Comedy Central didn't want them because that was the point when records weren't just selling, records weren't selling anymore. Right. Um, they didn't quite know what to do with that. Right. Yeah. Nobody knew what to do. So, I got a, a wealthy guy to invest in this movie. Wow. I got my friends like Reggie Watts and Kurt, Kurt Brownholder and Christian Shaw and Christian Finnegan to perform in it. I was like, I want to do... So I was like, I don't want it to be a comedy special. Like a, yeah. Because at, at that point, everybody was trying to do another Kings of Comedy type mm-hmm. or like Blue Collar type. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I don't want that. I want it to be more like The Last Waltz. Like a whole... Also documentary about scenes. So we had... Yeah. So I got like Mark Marin and Jim wow. Gaffigan and uh, Janine Garofalo, a bunch of comics like that to talk on Hannibal Burris. Wow. A bunch of comics like that to talk on camera, just about alternative comedy and, you know, so it's just like, and, and you know, what alternative are Like back then, alternative was still a big thing. Yeah. Now yeah. I think people are just like, oh, bar show. Right. Club show. It kind of like blew people's minds that you could do comedy in other places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was like, oh my god. Like, I had John Oliver in this bar basement. Wow. And some people were like, oh my god, I can go see John Oliver. Or, you know, like Dimitri Martin or whoever. I love that. So. That was it. We premiered South by Southwest Film Festival. Um, for various reasons that were not my fault, we didn't sell it, but it's up on Amazon Prime right now. Really? Yeah, yeah, if you want to watch it. Oh, shit. So. But when I get sober, okay. it's a good thing I wasn't sober then, because then I was like, oh, humility. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't deserve it. Right. It's like, I'll get it or I don't, and if I don't get it, I'll get something else. Because like, yes. some I got booked for a, I'd done a show with Caroline Ray, and wow. she and I got along, and then I booked her for a, um, a benefit I did. Dude, check out the lineup for this benefit. If we did it now, we'd have to put it in uh, fucking the Beacon Theater or something. Yeah. Because, like, we had Caroline. Wow. We had uh, Kristen Shaw. I had John Oliver. Wow. Jim Gaffigan, who was already big, but he couldn't be announced. He okay. was, like, a surprise guest. And the headliner was Triumph the Insult Comic Con. What? It was sick. It was at a comedy club. It was amazing. Wow. Um, so... You know, but 
But after that, I was just like, okay, you know what? So anyway, so Caroline booked me for the Showtime special, and that was also that summer. And I was written up in the Wall Street Journal. So it was just like, I was like, you know what? I don't have to fucking grab. I don't have to be angry when yep. other people get stuff that I want. Yep. Like, you build these resentments. Right. When I did my, um, when I did my fifth step, I had a long list and... We, did, we had to do two eight-hour days to get through them all. Right. And by the end of the second day, my sponsor was like, okay, professional resentment next. Okay, professional resentment next. Wow. It was because a lot of people I was angry at because I hadn't succeeded and they had. Right. Or they had succeeded in a way that I felt I deserved. Yeah. Such a great feeling to get through that. Anyway, that's enough of that answer. I love that. You, you touched on something of, if I don't get it, whatever profession you're in, this is great advice. Either I get it or I don't get it. Mm-hmm. If I don't get it, something else will come along. That's been my... Being mad at other people doesn't help you? Nope. And I mean, it doesn't make you any funnier. No. And also, there's people in this mentality, especially in comedy, especially in stand-up, yeah. where if you drag other people down, it somehow elevates you. And that's never how it works. Nope. Nope. Positive mindset. Like, in my first two years, my thought was, oh, I can't lose. And I didn't have any evidence for it until somebody brought it up to me. <laughs> well, you have to. If you're an open micer and you're just starting and you're no good, you have yeah. to be delusional and you have to have, a, like, a hide of iron. Right. A rhino. Exactly. Like our friend that we were talking about before. Yeah. Like, that guy... I like that guy a lot, and actually, like, yeah, I respect him a lot. He's a lovable doofus. He is, but the thing yeah. is, he has a lot of setbacks, yep. and he doesn't let it get him back. No, we watched one tonight. Yeah. And I said to him when he left, like, "Oh man, you mom." And he was like, "He's like, yeah, well, you know what happened." And he's just like, he's like, you could tell he's just gonna. Yeah. I wouldn't say that to someone who would be devastated by that. True. True. That's very true. That's very true. What? When you're a dude comic, you talk to other dude comics like that. Yeah, and probably also ladies too. You know, I'd appreciate it when somebody says I did well when I know I didn't do well. I always say, I always <laughs> say, uh, you're being very kind. Mm-hmm. And I just try to look at it as a kindness. You're lying. Yeah, don't lie to me. Don't. I was lie in to that me. room. I just call people out. I'm like, dude, I was in that room. Yeah, that was. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I just mind hanging myself. I love it. I love it. What is your um, What is your decision making process like? Well. I have two modes, and they're both bad. <laughs> One is I just shoot from the hip and hope I'm making the right decision. For sure. And the other is uh, I pull a Hamlet and oh just God. go back and forth, sometimes for days before I pull a trigger. Oh my God. I like that you said Hamlet and not Ophelia. I feel like we overlook Ophelia's dilemma in Hamlet. Well, Ophelia, I mean, Ophelia has a dilemma, but I'm thinking specifically of the to be or not to be. Right. Right. Where he's like deciding whether or not to kill himself. Yeah. And it's like a real decision. Very easy to make. Sure. Made the wrong one, it turns out at the end of the play. Got it. But, um... Spoiler alert. It's only... Spoiler alert. However many hundred, hundreds of years. All, I think it's about as old as the United States of America. Yeah. <laughs> all 
by which I mean, could you count from when the pilgrims actually came over, mm-hmm. and from when it was found? For sure, for sure. I think Shakespeare was still alive when Columbus discovered America. You do have a history podcast. <laughs> Welcome to Liam's boring figuring out history. I love that. What um, what has been the most interesting thing you've learned about yourself so far? That's a very good question. Um, wow, give me a second. Yeah, feel free. This is the most interesting thing I've learned about myself so far. Yeah, in your recovery. How are we doing? Everything good? Everything great. Everything's great. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, please. Thank you. Maria's killing it, by the way. <laughs> Dude, she's a, she's a this podcast. She's, she's the same. <laughs> Special guest host Maria. <laughs> I am. Um, you know what's funny? I was talking about the fifth step earlier. I thought I was a really bad person. Thank you very much. It's like... Especially when we did the romance, the romance list, the sex inventory. Mm. You know, I really was like ashamed and embarrassed. And then we went through it. And my sponsor was like, "Well, that's it." <laughs> and he was like, "I thought you." He's like, "The way you were talking about it, I thought you raped somebody." <laughs> I was like, "No, I was just kind of not a great boyfriend." He's like, "Yeah, but that's not. I mean, it's just like you know, it comes with the territory. Like right. before, you were a bad boyfriend. Right. And now you learn how to be a better one." And yeah. So, we have the technology. We can make you stronger, faster, better. <laughs> so I had really like carried a lot of shame around. Shame. I still beat myself up over stuff. Mm-hmm. I really like carried a lot of shame around for a long time. And what I learned in recovery specifically. So I'm not always a nice guy. Okay. I don't always do the right thing. Okay. I'm still a person. Right. I'm not a bad person. Yeah. It's really a fucking... I cut myself a lot more slack than I ever used to. That's incredible. It is incredible. Sometimes I'm not successful at that at all. I try to be. But... Like, look at how much mustard I just glopped on my bread. I've been literally just piling mustard and hot sauce on the side, using it like a dip. <laughs> That's such a good idea, dude. <laughs> Because I don't want it to beat up my bread. That's why I like it. <laughs> That's why I like it. You have to, when, you, when you're eating a gluten-free bread, you have to maintain its very weak structural integrity at all times. Are you eating gluten-free bread? Yeah, for like 10 years. Really? Yeah, I got really sick. I got, my guts were just like, you know those, it was a cupcake at a meeting. Well, it was... The first, the really bad attack was a Chipotle burrito. Yeah, but you're like, well, that's Chipotle. That's Chipotle. It kind of sucks. Exactly. Well, it was, it was different. It was more like I didn't poop for 10 days. Wow. And then when I did, I cried. It was like I had a baby. It wow. was horrendous. And then... Um, I hope you bronzed it. I know, right? It, it came out bronze. Um, it, was, <laughs> it was... What color was it? Uh, 
the just the darkest the darkest star in the wow. <laughs> in the universe. So you're like bleeding a little bit. Yeah, it was not good. My okay. stomach was really upset, and uh, I love that we're having this conversation while we eat. We could be related. That would be a conversation yeah. my family would have. But um, but yeah, and then the last time, like the moment of surrender for that is I had a cupcake in a meeting. Uh-huh. Strawberry, stra- homemade strawberry cupcake, and I immediately got sick. So I was like, "All right, I get it. I'm one of those weak people that can't digest." See, I. It's not one of the. It's not the first time. I'm just powerless over carbs, huh? and especially desserts like sugar. I have to like. Uh, I haven't had sh- uh, sh- dessert in almost two years now. I'm sorry to bring you to a diner. Is that a bad thing? No, it's just a sandwich. Okay. <laughs> I got something. It's true, you gotta eat. Um, but it's just, um, when I, when I, so I didn't have uh, desserts for 12 years. What? Yeah, because I just realized, like, I can't stop. Like, I just can't, I have an addict mentality. You're at home eating cake by yourself in bed. Yeah, no joke. A day old birthday cake with someone else's name on it. That would be, that would, that's part of a joke I wrote, but it's not. Really? It's not my second album. Not like, uh, I did. not fucking with you. Great minds. Um, but no, it's like I'd be an entire box of Edmonds donuts. And just like, you know, by the end I'd be in pain. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't stop. Yep. So, but then I got sober. I was in um, I toured Europe two months into my sobriety. Okay. And a lot happened that summer. Okay. Um, I made a movie, was on TV, and then uh, went to Europe. That's a lot. It's a lot. Um, the fact that I stayed sober the entire thing. I didn't go to any meetings in, in Rome. Okay. I was in Rome for a week. Okay. What took you there? Was it stand-up or...? You know what? I, I like to... I haven't been to Europe in uh, seven years, but when I was, I like to book tours. Mm-hmm. Where it's like I'm there for a month or, you know, whatever, a month and a half, but I leave a week so I can visit some place I've never been before. Ooh, okay. So, or just stay in Berlin for a week or whatever. But um, yeah, I was like, oh yeah, I've never been to Rome. Okay. A week's too long for Rome. I should. I wish I'd gone to Venice or. Really, that's interesting. But um. But one day I was walking by this hundred-year-old gelato place that had been recommended. Okay. I just had a real clear thought. It's like either I eat gelato or I, I drink tonight. <laughs> it really was like that simple, and I was like, you know what? I can stop eating gelato, and uh... then I stopped eating desserts. Seven years later. Whoa. I've lost 80 pounds in the last year and a half. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. That's rad. It is pretty rad. I'm amazing. Yeah. I'm such a positive person. I do, I do my best. I Try really to, we, we have to celebrate ourselves. And, and I, I have to because, I mean, honestly, my brain is just as brutal and negative as anybody else's. Right. So I just, I'm kind of a one-track mind person, so right. if I want to stay sane, I have to just turn on positive and leave it running. Dude, I get it. <laughs> I really, honestly, no joke, I get it. Yeah, and it's, it, it can be, it's hard. It's hard to make that, to make that decision. It feels and impossible. It, some days is impossible. Right. You know, and those are the days where it's like, I do what I gotta do, I'm not user-friendly, I call my sponsor, I go to a meeting. Like, yell at your husband. 
yell at my poor little boyfriend. A boyfriend, sorry. Boyfriend, no, that's okay. I like that. That's prophetic. Put a ring on it. Um, <laughs> yeah, Stuart. Yeah, Stuart. Come on. Um, yeah, no, I realized this. I'm, I'm getting ready to start a, a four-step, and I'm coming to understand that I've had resentments that I wasn't even aware of, but right. I was acting out on I'm yeah. yeah, and that is, and that I was I, I was acting out on them a lot with him, and now I have to now that I am aware, it's like one of those things of like when we know better we do better. So I'm not at that that cycle of the steps where this is my third time through, and I'm not at the point where like I'm making amends for it, or I'm not at the sixth and seventh step, but where I am at is at the sit on your hands and recognize it. So I can explore it and know what it's really about. Right. So I can beat that bitch back into the corner where she belongs. Right. <laughs> and that's that's the that's the best I can do with it. But it's and that and that kind of leads to like, what is your level of self honesty? Like what is or self honesty or honesty with others? Like what is your honesty in general? I'm a hundred percent honest with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I go for 90% honesty with someone I'm dating. Okay. I feel like you have to leave that 10%. There's some of it that's just cruelty. They don't need it. Some of it's cruelty and some of it's just like, you know what? I Early in my sobriety, I had my, spon- my sponsor said something and it's a cliche, but it's true. Do you want to be happy or do you want to be right? That will haunt me. See, my dad was a program guy. And okay. that phrase has haunted me in my entire life but is so true it blew my mind because I heard it at the exact right time really yeah and I was just like yeah alright it was a professional thing I was in a fight with someone it was bleeding out it was snowballing and getting worse yeah 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 getting worse and uh it was just bleeding out into like someone who was thinking about representing me and then they didn't because I was in a fight with this guy oh no so I'll tell you about it off mic. It's pretty funny. Um, I'm pretty good. I call my sponsor after I told everybody off. No! It was was during Hurricane Sandy when everyone was trapped in their apartments and in a terrible mood in New York. Yeah! And so first I told everyone off and then I called my sponsor. No! It was my first year, so... I get it though. That's I got a call. I got a twelve-step call today, and a gentleman or he texted me. Can I call you right now? I said I got ten more minutes on the clock at my day job. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, give me that ten minutes. And and I said, promise me you won't use or punch any punch anybody in right. between, because I know that call. I know that call of like I'm about to tell somebody how I really feel. Right. <laughs> right. So. Um. That. And then there's just what I call what are what's called situational ethics. Okay. Where sometimes you have to lie. Sometimes you professionally have to lie, or you have to act like you're doing something that you're not really doing better than you are. Yeah. Like sometimes you have to like fucking act as if. Mm-hmm. Especially in this comedy shit. Especially like on social media. Mm-hmm. All I want to do is talk about what I'm going through on social media. 
like we were talking about earlier with the staying humble in comedy yeah. and doing open mics yeah. and I think I heard uh, a phrase I heard today uh, from uh, a friend of the podcast, Matt Lee. He called it uh, he called it um, internet poisoning. Internet what? Internet poisoning. Why is that? That sometimes people get so involved in the internet and social media right. that it, it just poisons them to the outside world. Especially like if you see someone who seems to be doing well. And then you're like, fuck them and fuck everything. And then you act out on that. Exactly. Whenever I, you know, I, I'm on Reddit. I'm on a few message boards. And I make sure to have my real name as my username. Really? Even if it's just, hey, it's Liam. Well, like, my Reddit name is Liam McNeil. Okay. And the reason I do that is because I know if I'm an, when I'm anonymous, there's a point. Uh, I'm good, but I thank you very much. When I'm anonymous online, mm-hmm. I just say whatever the fuck I want, right. and I hurt people's feelings, right. and I get into fights, and like, and then that hurts me because I'm just like so angry, and I carry that around for right. a week. And so I'm just like, okay, well, keep myself honest. hold yourself accountable. Um, hold myself accountable is the phrase I want. Ah. I just use my real name whenever possible, just like just so that I'm not tempted, mm-hmm. or even just like on Reddit. It's so easy to shit on a comic I know. Because I don't think they're good. But you can do it anonymously. Right. I know a person who's not a comedian who has several Twitter accounts. And some of them are nice and supportive Twitter accounts. And some of them will let you know. (laughs) I'm like, what? I mean, it's crazy. But, you know, it's like I could see myself going down that rabbit hole. Yeah. I don't have time for that. Who has time for that in Venezuela? It is between... Listen, if you live in Los Angeles, and I assume it's the same in New York, commute time, it eats up most of your day. Right. Who has time? Well, commute time on, in New York is you, you're sitting on your phone in the subway. Oh, so you've got all the time in the world to fuck around like that. Last time I did it... I don't talk about it. What the hell? Yeah. There's a comic named Dan Nyden. Okay. He became notorious for claiming to be a millennial comic. He's in his fifties. Um, no, to, to be fair, he doesn't meet the cutoff. But according to Bloomberg Business, millennials are 1977 on. He does not meet the cutoff. No. <laughs> um, he's a jerk. This is all public, by the way. Yeah. I'm not yeah. like, this is not an opinion. Yeah. This is like publicly reported. <laughs> he's, a, he's a certified jerk. Mark Marin used to talk about him on WTF because he was sending these really insulting emails trying to get booked. Oh, God. Yeah, that's... Uh, you know, like one of those, like, you don't have the guts to talk to me. I'll, I'll put up $10,000. I'll pay you this and that. What? <laughs> so I had a Twitter feed for a couple of weeks that, that like, parodied him. Okay. Because the thing is, like, I, so there's a young woman named Jessica Flores who used to book my show. Okay. She was a fan of comedy. She's not comedy anymore. Okay. I shouldn't be using people. Do you want me to bleep anything out? Maybe bleep her name out. Okay. I would appreciate that. Sure, sure, sure. But she wrote a blog for Stage Time magazine. Okay. Just about hacky ethnic comics. Okay. She's like, as a young Latina. Yes. I don't like seeing this in comedy. Yeah. He took it personally. 
because it was obviously directed toward him. Yes. And he put her on a list of people in emails constantly, telling them that they're failures, that everyone in their comedy scene is a drug user and poor. He goes and out of his way to do this? And he's a success because he flies on private jets and he owns a nice car and he like takes 22-year-old women out to the, the Cayman Islands or whatever. Is this like New York machismo? I don't understand this. <laughs> Dude, I'm like, if you're doing well, you should be happy, right? Yeah. But he's like... Go swim in your swimming pool of money. <laughs> and it was just like so crazy. And I remember 2001, I did Premium Blame. Okay. I got an email from... I got an email from an account I didn't know. Okay. Just saying, Liam, you suck. You don't deserve to be on TV. This and that. So I googled the email address or Alta Vista or whatever it was back then. Oh my lord! And it was attached to his name. So I just sent him an email back. I was like, "Hey Dan, <laughs> so, uh, sorry you feel that way." <laughs> Why do you have your name attached to your harassment account? What a weirdo! <laughs> but that's his mo. So I, I was yeah. just making fun of that for a couple of weeks, and Anything then I'm just. Else for today? I'm good. I'm good. Thank, thank you. you. Um, and then I was like, well, this is psychotic behavior. Yeah. And it's not positive. I'm just doing what he does. Right. Except at least he puts his name on it. Okay. But I was like, I probably owe this guy an amends, but also I don't want to. You can borrow this if you need a persona to vent some steam. Stuart and I do this game. He got on he got on hot tub, which it's easier when you're from another market to get right. to get on and Hot Tub is a show that Kurt and Kristen host at the yes. Virgil every month. And it's it's absolutely great. And he got on the show. It's always packed. It's so super packed. Um, but it just you know, not begging, but like, you know, you could book me, I'd be fun. Um, and uh, so they had he was super nervous because he'd been waiting for over a year to get on this show and actually ran into the booker in an elevator in New York. Like that's that's the lengths it took for him to get to get the show. So he, he's getting all nervous and he calls me. I could just tell he's nervous and I said, "Babe, you know, here's what I want to tell you. Um, guess what? I I just saw online the King of Hollywood is is actually." going to be at the show tonight. He's handing out TV shows and Conan sets. Right. So kill. Right. And he just started laughing and then all of a sudden a voice came out of me and I went, oh hi, it's the King of Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready to get a TV show? That's it's funny. an on-new year <laughs> and started 20 minutes ago. <laughs> and uh, it's infinitely fun to be the King of Hollywood for five minutes. Like if anything ever pisses you off so bad. It's, um, it's so good to blow off steam by giving the king a giving the king a run for his money. Um, I, you know what? I gave up on... That was my that was my only time really fucking around with an anonymous Twitter handle. Yeah. Like, uh, it was my last time really being anonymous online. So I was just like, you know, if I really had it in for this guy, I would do this for years. Yes. And you I, would contact clubs and tell them what a piece of shit he is. Yeah. Or like, whatever kind of weird extra behavior. I, I just feel like it's so extra to like take it to the next, to like, right. spend your time drafting an email. Mm -hmm. You had to go and find your website. You had to get your email. <laughs> yeah. And you know, like you spend time. <laughs> and that was also back when like you couldn't just switch between Twitter handles. Like you had to sign out, sign back in. <laughs> 
like you had to do real work and yeah. I'm just like my whole thing especially now I'm in LA is just like is this worth my time is this productive yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, okay, well, it's not productive, but it's fun. Yes. Like, going to the beach is not productive. But it's fun. And it's going to make you, ultimately, and I think anything you do to feed your spirit makes you a better person. And it's necessary. It's necessary, yeah. How much time do you have? I have 16 years. And you're only on your fourth step? Mm. No. It's my third time around. I'm just kidding. No, that's okay. I'm a big believer. The way the way I do my um, the way I do my steps is once I get done with all twelve, mm-hmm. I hop back on and start over again. See, I want to do my my steps again, but I haven't met too many people in LA that want to be my sponsor. Now that you said that, they're gonna find you. I honestly hope so because like I don't see a lot of people. I'm like I want what that guy has. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's, you know, it's so funny, it's like, especially over time, getting, um, I've gotten, I don't know how to describe it, my sponsor that I have now, because I go to more day meetings than I used to, it's like the pool was pretty narrow, but it turns out, like, just trusting that instinct of, like, this is the lady, Mm -hmm. has totally worked out, and she's giving me a different, every person I've ever worked with has given me a perspective that I didn't have before, because I've been, I've moved a lot in my recovery. I just just got really lucky, because my first sponsor was perfect for me. And he was the guy who brought me to the rooms. Oh, I love it. He's like a really good dude. I really kind of laid back, which is what I needed. Yeah. Because if I'd been working with one of those strict, like, big book thumpers, yeah. I would have lasted a month. Right. But he was, like, strict, you know, there were points where he was like, like, you don't have to do this, but this is the way I got sober. And right. if you want to get sober the way I got sober. Yeah. And if you don't, that's fine. Find something else to work with. Yeah. And there's something else you need to hear, like... And whenever I, might I work with the guys, one. I've had to say that too. It's just like, yeah. Yeah. if you don't want to work with me, it's fine, but this is how it's going to be. Yes. And then I think being straight up, I do the same thing where I'm just like, you know, this is this is what I, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll remind, I'll be like, I know you don't want to hear that, but you called. <laughs> I didn't fucking want sponsee. There was one guy I did want because I was just like, didn't have any sponsees and I just... Yeah. By the way, if you're listening to this and you want a sponsor and you can't get one, just find a day counter, get their phone number, and just check in every day. And eventually they will ask you to be their sponsor because you're literally the only person taking interest in their sobriety on a day-to-day basis. It's true. It's very true. Just, yeah. It's like courting, it's like courting somebody. Yeah, that's true. It's like, oh, hey, I didn't know you go to this meeting. Oh, hey, well, what a coincidence. You want to sit together? And if you're looking for a sponsor and you you don't have the guts or you're just sort of figuring it out, right. uh, do what I did and just kind of figure out where the people who are interesting that have shares that really resonate with you, figure out where they go. Ask them what other meetings they go oh, to wow. and then follow them. <laughs> That's, that's smart. Yeah. I basically stalked two ladies for a while in Long Beach before, until, I, until I got the guts to ask one. <laughs> I mean, my problem is, like, I have nine years, and I just don't want to work with someone who has less time than me. I have the same experience. Like I said, I, I went to this women's meeting, and there was uh, it, it got to a point where there was two women in the meeting. 
I really wanted to sponsor me. My sponsor in San Luis Obispo would drop me because I was being a real butt. I was just really shit in the bed as, as a human. And, um, and because I didn't want to deal with grief because my mom like suddenly died. Oh, my brain, sorry. it's okay. My, my brain was just exploding. Right. And, uh, and I, I said in the parking lot, I said, God, it's either going to be Debbie or Kathy. <laughs> and I walked in, and neither one of them were there. And that Ooh. never happened. Plot twist. Plot twist. Went to the meeting the next day. There was only one person in the room, and it was Kathy. Wow. Yeah. And you said higher power. I'm picking Debbie. Exactly. No, I went, all right. And I just beelined it for her. I didn't even think about it. And and she saved my goddamn life. She that saved higher, my goddamn life. That higher power shit is real and is powerful. It's everything. It's everything. Like I've had a few since I moved out here where I'm like, all right, I asked a question and I got the answer. That's amazing. I went to, I, I won't get into it in detail, but I went to the beach a couple months ago because I was just really feeling spun out. Yeah. And I meditated at the beach. And I prayed. Beautiful. I did my spiritual practice at the beach. And I said, you know what? For the universe, because I have a different... I don't, I don't yeah, me too. And I said, you know what, man? I'm asking you for a lot of stuff. Right. What do you want from me? Like, how can I be successful in a way that serves you? Right. And then two days later, I took a lift ride in Hollywood, and I had a lift driver tell me everything that I fucking needed to hear about next steps in my life, and how to, like, just all this shit. Just some angel like, lift driver? Dude, I'm telling you, he broke it down. Ah. And then at the end of the ride, he said, he said, why do you do comedy? I was like, I don't know. He's like, no, what's your purpose doing comedy? And then he told me, I was like, oh, Wow. He's right. That's true. I always remember, as a comedian, what my purpose is. I was doing a, was featuring for somebody at a bar gig just outside of Las Vegas. That'll make you question everything. Everything, right? So I'm driving. So we drove four and a half hours, so I could do 20 minutes in a, a cloud of smoke. Literally, a drunk person crawled on stage, and I got off stage. I went to the bathroom. Did you get paid? I did get paid. Great gig. Exactly. Best gig. It's fucking the best, right? And so, um, so I walk off stage, I go to the bathroom, and there's a woman, and she is bawling. And she looks right at me, and she says, you're the comedian. <laughs> and I said, I am. And I said, are you okay, honey? Is there anything I could do to help you? And she just said, my husband just left me, and I have three kids, and I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, Jesus. And I really needed to laugh to Jesus Christ. And I, like, I'm tearing up, she's tearing up, and we're hugging in the bathroom, and I realized, oh, my job is to be of service. Right. This is a service. Right. What brought me to comedy was I was so depressed, I kept going to comedy shows. I know, I know that what we do helps people. And look, there's something wrong with us, because we do sobriety and yeah. this shit. Well, hello. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. No, no, no. <laughs> Sorry, Stuart. <laughs> Listen, for those of you listening at home, she just put her foot on top of my foot. <laughs> right, you know what? I'm going to go for it. Yeah, there you go. There's the other one. There's the other one. This is a You know what? I'm going for it. Sorry, Stuart. <laughs> uh, what is... <laughs> yeah, babe, you, you know, you got out of town. You were out of town. I was in a diner. You know that's my element. Um, it was the head... The heady glow of watching people 
fucking do whatever they were doing at the improv for an hour and 15 minutes? <laughs> it was, you know what? I, I always try to look how positive. That air conditioner is the strongest air conditioner in Los Angeles County. Here's the thing. There were three people who had great sets. Yes. And I, I really enjoyed their sets. Yes. My friend got up for the first time. Hell yeah. She had never been on stage at the main stage Aww. before. Because it was in the main room at the improv tonight. Yeah. Uh, and it was like a big thrill for her. Aww. So there were some positives, but there were some people who were just like... I was like, you don't have to... A, you should never perform audition for a booker until you have at least a three-minute set. They don't know that, though. They don't. I've eaten shit up there before, and I have a three-minute set. I'm just saying... I'm just saying... It, Everybody's gonna eat shit. Yeah. But if you don't have You're a three-minute set, you're gonna go down, set, go down swinging. <laughs> you don't have a three-minute set. You shouldn't even be there. You shouldn't yeah. even be crossing your mind to like yeah. showcase for someone important. Should give it, give it some time. For Write sure. some jokes. Yeah, I waited a year. Write before. a joke. <laughs> a singular joke. There were a few dudes where I was like, oh, this is what it sounds like when Reddit does stand-up comedy. Yeah, I think the internet's really you know done who some I'm strange. Talking about. Yeah, I think the internet's done some strange things to punchlines. Yes. Yeah, I think I think that's really the interpretation of what of comedy is now. You have to run it through an internet filter, and I don't. It's it doesn't translate. You know, it just doesn't translate. And then there's just dudes who are angry at women, and they all sound like those subreddits. Yeah. And we saw yeah. one tonight. Oh, yeah. You that know, was... I don't know if you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, can't miss him. <laughs> no, no, not the guy at the end. Oh, I don't know. We'll talk about it. We'll talk no, about it. You, you'll know who I'm talking about when I tell you. I mean, it's, you know, it's, I've, I've honestly, it's very interesting. You develop sort of a weird sort of misogyny filter in your brain. I kind of just tune out. I also can fall asleep anytime I want, and sometimes <laughs> I just take little naps and um, and hope nobody important sees me sleeping like a little old lady. I'll That's put my smart. hands in my lap and then I bring my hair forward slightly and That's then I just hilarious. go and I go to sleep. <laughs> it's I mean, from years of working in treatment. <laughs> I can sleep. I can sleep sitting up. <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if you're bad and you're trying something, right? Then I can go with that. If you're a bad and you're a train wreck, I can go with that because you're trying. Right. Yeah. If you're bad and you're just angry and you're not even really attempting jokes, and then you get mad at the room. Yeah, I mean, it's a thing. It's a thing. I mean, I don't know. What is your uh, level of fear and anxiety? Level of fear fluctuates. Level okay. anxiety is a constant. Okay. I'm constantly anxious. Yeah. Uh, how do you how do you experience that? Like, whenever I hang out socially, and I'll be doing this later. You okay? Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm just gonna adjust. Yeah. I've got my feet tucked in all the way under. I, I know. Can't... There's there's not a lot of booth here, man. Not a lot of booth. No. Uh, I mean. I'm a California girl. If I'm not in a lotus position, I'm not sitting. I, uh... Level anxiety is like all... And I'll do it tonight uh, in the car after after this. Going back and going over every single aspect of the social interaction. 
that one kicks my ass too. And that's a leftover a lot, mostly leftover from my drinking days. Yeah. When I would be a blackout or a grayout or a brownout drunk. Yeah. And I would just have to like piece together why people were mad at me. And I still don't trust myself to like socialize correctly. Nine years after, you know, after I started the real hard work. Here's what happened for me. It went away, uh-huh. and then it came back, and now I check myself. So okay. sometimes I experience it because I had a I had a run-in with a booker um, in another city, a different market. I just rubbed this guy the wrong way, and uh, he yelled at me and slammed a door in my face. Right. I'd never I'd never experienced anything like that before, and uh, and. I now get anxiety around talking to folks in professional settings. Like at an open mic, I don't have a problem. But talking with like a booker or something, I always get a little pang of anxiety. So I run it past somebody. I'll just say, was that social interaction okay? I'll just say it. I'll just be like, you feel a little socially awkward. Was that normal? That's funny. Yeah. I, um... Here's another one. I did a show downtown. Okay. And it's at a bar that has DJs after the comedy. Fun. So I was dancing. I was dancing for like three hours. Having a great time. Hell yeah. It was like a kind of a schlubby bearded guy who hooked up with two women and they walked out. And I had a thought like, oh man, I remember those days. Because I used to get drunk and I would just yeah. like fucking... I had a lot of sex. Yeah. I had a lot of sex. It was, it was a good time. That's what you do when you're drinking. You That's party. You do. You party. And then I went to the bathroom, and I did my thing. I was in, I looked in the mirror, and I said, ugly. No. I did. I said, ugly. And then I was like, I'm ugly. And then I had to leave. And I was like, nobody's ever going to love me. Nobody's ever going to hook up with me, this and that. And so I just, like, left. As, I called a lift and, left, like, went home as quickly as possible. Because I was just like, then I just felt weird. And I used to be, the way I dealt with that was just drinking away. Right. Like drinking until that voice was quiet. Right. Or drinking until I blacked out, or just drinking until I didn't give a shit right. anymore. Which is not healthy. Right. And so I'm still learning how to deal with shit like that. Yeah. Like that is a level of anxiety and fear that it doesn't, it's not constant. Right. But just every once in a while it kicks in. Right. And it's still completely overwhelming. Right. I get it. I get it, man. It comes and goes. I have moments where... um, This is going to sound really cheesy, but I was calling a friend in recovery, and I said I was telling her about a conflict, and she texted me back the next day. You know, she used to sponsor me. And she said, you know, I know I'm not your... uh, I know I'm not your... Oh, I'm great. Thank you, Maria. I'm not... She said, I know I'm not your sponsor anymore. But we need to get you on some positive affirmations. I don't like the way you're talking about yourself. Dude. And it's just good. I have. I'm grateful. I have people in my life. Like, don't beat up on yourself. Liam's a great guy. He's handsome. He's smart. He's doing great. I read a, a self-help book, and this guy told a story about a friend of his who got through a really rough patch by just saying, every time he started thinking negative, just saying, "I love you" to himself. Yeah. So now I wrote that on a piece of paper which hangs in my bathroom wall. Yeah. Just like, because I love myself. So every time I start to get into that cycle, yep. I just mentally picture that piece of paper. And I just go, I love myself, and I say it out loud a few times. Just to get just to get out of that rut. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, it was a big killer 
especially when I was drinking, but you know, even sober was just like, I would start to date a woman, I really liked her, she was really pretty, and then I'd be like, oh, she's not interested in her, she wouldn't be interested in me, or she wouldn't like me if she got to really know me. Right. And then I would just kind of ghost her, and I did that to a lot of women. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just like, it's negatively impacted my life. Yeah. And so, I mean, now I just don't even, I don't know. Now I just am friends with a lot of women, which is also good. Yeah. So I've learned how to be friends with women, which is something that I just wasn't good at even after a few years in a sobriety. Like, right. being friends without necessarily having a predatory motive. Yeah, it's not transactional. And it's something I really learned in sobriety. Because a lot of women in New York saved my ass. Wow. Like, they just really saved my life over and over. Wow. And then you try dating in the rooms, and it's like, okay, well, then. Everybody goes there once or twice if you're me. <laughs> Sorry, Stuart. Yeah, no, he's actually, he's a... Um, he's a normie? Yeah. God bless him. He's a one of those. Well, then I'm going to uh, put him up for sainthood. I know. I know. I'm it's nothing very personal. lucky. No, it's just I, I know myself. It. I know me. I know how I am in relationships. I'm, I know. I One day I had to tell him, I was like, you might want to go to some like, secret societies for people who hang out with people in secret societies, baby, because... What do you mean, al Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I will drive. I literally told him, I said, I'm aware of my disease, and I'm aware of, I'm aware of how it affects you, even if you don't see how it affects you. <laughs> Dude, if you're listening to this and you're in a relationship, or related to someone who has yeah. substance abuse problems. Go to a support program. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. Al Anon. Al Anon, Coda, idiot. Coda is a big one. Narnon. But Al Anon is specifically for yeah. people. Not specifically for, but it's like yeah. really helpful for people in a relationship. And I'll tell you what. I have a friend who's in, been in Al Anon for ten years. Mm-hmm. She's also in the thing. Yeah. And she's taught me some Elanon Kung Fu. I know, right? We're just like, my, my phrase now is, not my monkeys, not my circus. Yes! Yes. We, we were sharing Elanon jokes. Did you have, was it you or was it Dave who had that Elanon It was joke? D. It was D? Okay. All right. I don't know if your listeners know who he is, but it's... Uh, he's been on. He's so been on. We'll just say that. He's been on. It's a good it's Dave a good Chappelle. Alan. That's all Dave, we'll say. Dave, I mean, yeah. Uh... So what is the character defect you're working on the most right now? Uh, self-sabotage is a big one. Yeah. Oh, you want to go down the list? Self-sabotage is the big one. Learning how to follow through, learning how to ask for help. Ugh. My God, asking for help. I had to ask a guy for help this week. He's like kind of a legendary guy. He used to... He was like a big deal at this place where I want to work. Okay. I sent him an email a couple of days ago. I'm not even worried that he hasn't emailed me back because he's a super busy guy. And also, if he doesn't want to help me, that's totally fucking his his call. And I respect that. Yeah. But it's like just... I sat with a friend. I drafted an email. I had her look at it. Beautiful. She said... Well, it started by saying, this is the first sentence of the email. I thought I was being funny, and then rereading it, I was like, no, she's right, this is bad. It was like, you know it's a, you know it's a bad favor when I'm apologizing at the start of the email. Oh, no. I was apologizing for asking for help. 
So your ego was fighting you even as you wrote the email. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, anyway. Ah, that's rough. I wrote a very bare bones version of that email where I didn't apologize. It had Good. one joke in it. Right. Uh, but otherwise, just very like, yeah. I need help. I didn't even say I understand if you can. I just yep. said, if you want to read what I wrote, I'll send it to you. If you don't, that's totally cool. Yeah. And I, then I offered to take him out for lunch next time I was in New York. Hell yeah. And that was it. That's it. That's it. That's all you need. That's all you need. I love that. I fucking love that, man. I'm being very honest. I might not share this when it comes out. Ah, you better share it. I might not want people I know listening to this. What is... Your... It was just terrifying. It was it so is. terrifying. I and I didn't want to ask for help, and I didn't think I deserved it. Yeah. And so that's why I'm talking about it. Not because I know cool people, but just because... No, can I tell you, I had a similar situation. Um, I asked if I could be in a... I, I literally asked if I could submit to be in a writer's room. And writer's group? Writer's room. Okay. And it was... Uh, For a TV show? Yeah, to the, to the guy in charge. Okay. Set up a text, because I have right. his number. And and um, and he came up to me, gave me a hug. And you have said, Jack Parr's number? Yes. Um, and he basically said, like, hey, in kind of uncertain terms, like, hey, you can send me some jokes. And, and, right. And I was both very sick and very crazy at the time and because the sickness was hormonal so it was like right. making my brain wackadoo and a part of me was just like no 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 just every cell in my body was like no 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 and and my brain was like well maybe it's just because she didn't want to work for free because right. you know, I do get paid doing it for other people. Right. And, um, and even though that's the protocol for literally every job in television. Just fell on my dumb idiot face. Just right. just completely talked myself out of it. And 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 hindsight being 2020, if I had gotten that job, I would have been dog shit. Right. Because I was too sick and too crazy to show up for it. Right. And and so I'm grateful. I'm a little grateful that defect got in the way. Because it's like sometimes I had a sponsor tell me, sometimes you don't know what your defects are. It's sort of, she asks her higher power every day to um, remove the defects that prevent her from being of service. Dude, I, because sometimes we can get in our own way, but anyway, I, I kick out. myself. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, sorry, it's okay. I kick myself for not following through, but I applaud myself for asking. I flew out here 10 years ago for a job. Well, over 10 years ago now. Yeah. I came close to getting it. I didn't get it. Okay. Various reasons. Um, now I'm grateful. Because, like, all right, so I'd be a drunk. I'd be living in Los Angeles. Yeah. I would be driving drunk every night. Oof. You'd have a DUI by now. DUI or worse. Or worse. Like, the best you can hope for in that situation is a DUI. Yeah. Because you don't get away with it forever in any sense of that. Yeah. Like, eventually you will get... You'll kill somebody if you're not careful. Absolutely. You know, I was a, a five-night-a-week blackout drinker towards the end. Or, or I would have said some shit that would have gotten me out of the business. Like, yeah. really offended some important people. Yeah. Because um, Lord knows, I, I just said whatever I wanted. That's I would so get different. drunk, like, really house, housing drunk at, like, comedy parties. Yeah. Like, club parties and, you know, mm-hmm. industry parties I was invited to. Mm-hmm. Never more than once. Yeah. Um, but what was it? Oh, yeah. So, anyway, so I'm grateful. I'm like... Yeah. You know what? 
here's the thing. The Hindus have a god named Ganesh. Yes. And Ganesh's job is to is to take obstacles out of your path. Yeah. But Ganesh's the flip side is sometimes Ganesh puts obstacles in your path because they need to be there to help you with your life. Yeah. And so I say to myself, all right, there was an obstacle here. I had to go in a different direction. My life was better for it, even though my life wasn't necessarily easier for it. Yeah. I was able to be in New York. I made my movie. I stayed sober. Hell and yeah. I got sober. Hell yeah. You know, it's like, who knows what the fuck my life would have been or how what my bottom would have looked like in yeah. LA. Especially 12 years ago when there wasn't Uber or Lyft. You would have been in a tracksuit. A ball of cocaine just speeding down the hallway. Drugs were never my thing. Oh, really? Yeah, never even weed. It was pure. And in fact, I would hear stories in the rooms where people people would be like, yes, I'd do coke to stay awake to drink more. And I'd be like, that's how everybody did it. I did it through sheer strength of willpower. I felt like an idiot. You're like, I was doing it the hard way. I was. Even starting over. <laughs> I wasn't even doing. Well, that wasn't towards the end. Oh wow! And in fact, there was a night I was at a bar till four in the morning, hitting on women. There was a lock-in. You know, we were all locked in, hitting okay. on some women. Went to the bathroom, threw up. I was like, "Well, these women won't want to make out with me if I have puke breath." So I took the liquid soap and I brushed my teeth with it. No. And it was worse. Yeah. Way worse. No, that is so much worse. I've done that. I did that twice before I got sober. Drunk you think soap is toothpaste. Ah! If you ever get tempted to drink, call me and I'll be like, drunk you think soap is toothpaste. And I'll hang up. That's it. Not just soap, dirty bar bathroom. God! Was it the kind that smelled like cherries? Was it that kind of thing? No, it was like like industrial type soap. Okay, alright, well. You're gonna die, man. <laughs> hey, it's been twelve. It's been ten years, so I'm wow. okay. Nine years, nine years, so I'm okay. You're unkillable. That's what that is. Dude, I am way healthier than I deserve to be. I'll say it. That's incredible. That's incredible. What is your experience of forgiveness? Well, when I did my fifth step, and if you're listening to this and you're not on the program, yeah, the a lot fourth, of people do. They're like fascinated. Fourth step, <laughs> if you don't know, is when you make a list of yeah. wrongs you've done and resentments and this and that. And then the fifth step is when you admit it out loud. Yes. It took me forever to do my fourth step, and part of it was I was afraid to do my fifth step. Right. Because I was so ashamed. I was so filled with shame. Right. You admit out loud to yourself, another human being, and your higher power. The nature of your wrongs, and how that usually shakes out is, you sit down with your sponsor. Yeah. Some people do it with a priest, if they don't feel comfortable doing it I know a guy who did it in an airport. He just sat behind somebody, they were back to back, and he said, hey, I know you can hear me. I think I might know this guy. I've got, I've got this, is his name Kevin? I don't know, I've heard this story though. Yeah, I've got a story to tell you. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, I just need you to listen. Yeah. And they fully listen to me. Yeah, if you ask a priest, they'll do it with you. Yeah. But, um, so I did the, God, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, fifth step. The third on my list was myself. Okay. Right? Everybody puts themselves on their list eventually. Yeah. And I had to make a real amends to myself. Uh, you know, I had a little bit of a chaotic childhood, as all of us do. Mm-hmm. And just, I, ma- I had to make an amends to my parents at one point. 
and they instantly forget. Right. And they were like, you were sick, you had depression, this and that. Yeah. We're just glad you're taking care of yourself. Right. And then as soon as they forgave me, I forgave them. Right. Like, I was just like, well, yeah, they were young when they had me. I was like, I had severe suicidal depression. Yeah. Like, I'm older now than they were when that, when that all that went down. They didn't know what to do. They fucking did everything they could to keep me to get, like, from killing right. myself. Like, right. And I was like, you know, they did the best they could with the tools they were given. Right. It was very powerful. Very, very powerful moment. Boy, I really don't feel comfortable. I love that. Knowing that people are going to listen to this. What is the weirdest, and maybe that might be it, like, what was the most interesting amends you gave? Maybe that was it? No. Okay, so this is... Uh, no names. No names. There is a guy. I like him a lot. We're still friends. Okay. Um, he broke up with a woman. She used to have a blog about a certain kind of food. Okay. I'm really keeping this general. Okay. Kind of food I like a lot. Okay. I said... And I posted... This is back when it was just blogs. There's no social media. I posted on my blog about how I was thinking about going to this one place that sold this food. It's renowned for having good stuff. Yeah. She emailed me and said, hey, do you want to go today after work? And I said, yeah, let's, all right, let's go. Okay. This is ex-girlfriend. Right. So, we hung out. Now, I didn't have any ulterior motives. She asked me. I should have known this was a bad idea. I should have figured it out. Right. But I didn't want to, so I didn't. Sure. Uh, we hung out. I made a joke of like stealing this ring that she said her grandfather gave her with her name in diamonds uh, on it. Okay. We made out. I think I said we made out. Yeah. We made out. Didn't go any further. Okay. Um, got home. She emailed me the next morning and asked if I still had her ring. I had just come back from the laundromat where I put my laundry in the dryer. It was in my shirt pocket. A couple of the diamonds had fallen out. I was touring Europe like three days later, which is why I was doing my why I was doing my laundry. So the day before I went to Europe, I just gave her the ring outside her job and left real quick. Said I'd see her when I got back home. Never heard from her again. I decided I should make an amends to this guy because I was like, that's not a nice thing to do to him. And I was like, well, then I'll figure out about making amends to her. Okay. With the ring, right? That's right. like first things first. One okay. thing at a time. Okay. So I, I took him out to a bar in Midtown Manhattan. I had seltzer and he had beer. Okay. And I told him a story and he was like, oh yeah, she told me that you guys had sex. And I was like, no, we definitely didn't have sex. Okay. And he's like, He's like, ah, no, it's totally cool. I'm not even mad. You don't even need to apologize. Right. And I start telling him about this ring. He's like, yeah, her grandfather never gave her a ring. I was like, but she told him about the thing with the diamonds. He's like, yeah, no, I don't know what that ring was, but it definitely wasn't from her grandfather. I'd never heard of that before. Oh, you lucked out. That could have, it was probably just a cubit zirconia. That's exactly what he said. And then he said, I was like, well, I, I feel like I should apologize. He's like, you can if you want. Honestly, I wouldn't even bother. And I was like, like, you know, I'm going to call this one a draw. Yeah. I was like, you know what? 
I did something shitty, she did something shitty in return. I'm just gonna live uh, my amends, as they say. Do living amends. Living amends. Not yeah. be a creep with other guys' exes, recent exes anymore. That's a good one. It is I a like good that one. one. Is, and that was right before I moved to LA. I was like, you know yeah. what? I gotta get this guy off my list before I move because I just felt he's such he's like the nicest yeah. guy. He's married. He has kids. He doesn't give a shit. Anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and like uh, so long ago, we were we were children. Yeah. And people just do a lot of stupid shit. Yeah, and I was just like, sorry, if I hadn't yeah. been drinking, I wouldn't have even touched her. And he was like, yeah, that happens. What? Literally the world's nicest guy. You would like him a lot. That's a good one. I like Not that a comedian. One. See, you know what, but, yeah. It's always nice when you meet people and you're like, you're not a comic? <laughs> Tell me everything. You're reasonable. You're reasonable. I will literally shove comedians at the comedy store out of the way to talk to their significant others who are not comedians. I'm trying to set up a threesome, I guess. No, it's more just I'm trying to have a conversation that isn't like, you know what I mean? Like, well, when it's I just got, like, oh, tell me about you. you when know? I got sober, one of the things I used the rooms for was to make friends that were not in common. Yes. And if you're a comedian and you're listening to this, you have to have friends that aren't comedians or you'll the, die. The problem was then I became hooked on that, so most of my friends were not comedians. Yeah. And I kind of like drifted. I should have had, whatever. As my old sponsor says, don't shoot all over yourself. Yeah. But uh, as a result, I had a lot of very cool friends who aren't, weren't even in show business necessarily. We're just nice. like, you know, fucking living their lives. Very and it's just like such a good balance. Yeah. It's important. It's really important. I'm sure, like, if you're a structural engineer and all of your friends are structural engineers, right. you got to have somebody who's a hairdresser exactly. or something. You got to have somebody who's just something else. Exactly. It helps color. It helps maintain a sense of balance. Exactly. Balance is important. Speaking of balance, As the Buddhists say. how do you maintain your day-to-day like serenity? How do you take care of yourself on a day-to-day basis? Wow. Well, I haven't figured that one out yet. <laughs> you know, it's peaks and valleys. Okay. And when I spin out, I now recognize it. Usually means I haven't been to a meeting in a few days. Yeah. Got it. Um, so meetings, meetings, staying in touch. Uh, when I start to spin out, or when I start to get too happy, yeah. which is the other killer, I like get in touch with someone who's sober. Yeah. Even just say, "Hey, how are you doing today?" Yeah. Like just get out of my head, especially because I work from home. So like I can spend a day without seeing anybody or talking to anybody. Yeah, me too. Me too. I work remote, which is mostly from home, and I right. can go anywhere in the world to do it. And I have to remember go outside. Where's the where's the weirdest place you did your job? Uh, in a cafe in Vancouver. That's not real weird, huh. but only because the hostel across the street smelled like canned soup, and I couldn't stand there. <laughs> I could. I was barely sleeping there. I was ter- genuinely terrified to be in a hostel. Uh, really? Yeah, a guy followed me to my room, oh, that's and cool. I'm like I'm like in the elevator, and he's like, hey. I just figured I'd walk to your room with you. And I was like, you will not. You will get off on the next floor. I don't care if that's where you're going. Right. And he just, like, got out. I forget I'm six foot 300 pounds. Yeah. And it's I, a different, different uh, dynamic for me. Apparently, when I want to be, I can also be six foot 300 pounds. Apparently, I can, like, like morph into a much more intimidating person. My dad can do it, too. My dad wasn't a big guy, but my dad was terrifying when he wanted to be. I've learned to do the other thing. Where I have to be less intimidating. 
Yeah. Like, especially when I'm not thinking, I can get a real angry face. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to someone yesterday. It's like, I thought you didn't like me for the longest time. I was like, I didn't fucking know you. Yeah. I mean, that happens a lot. Even in my relationship, like, uh, will tell me sometimes, I'm just getting used to how direct you speak. Because we speak in a very direct way. Because we're used to having people be like, sit down, shut the fuck up. If I wanted to hear from the disease, I'd ask it a question. Right. Like, sit down. Take the cotton out of your ears and put it in your your mouth. mouth. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm used to that. And so, when I get a little bit agitated or I can hear, like, bullshit spinning, I can be like, hey, that bullshit, don't know if you know you're spewing it, but you're spewing it, please stop. When I was in New York, my sobriety was split 50-50 between... My uh, younger hipster friends. Okay. Which is great, except there's not a lot of them speaking directly because everyone, everyone just doesn't want to be the one to be the bad guy. Yeah, everyone's just kind of cool and being yeah, fun. Just, but it's fine because I'm like that too. Yeah. But then the other fifty percent were all the all these Irish old timers I found out in Queens. Yes. And a lot of like working class guys and blue collar guys. And the one was important for me in one way, but these guys like really kept my shit straight. Because yeah. none of them either knew or cared that I did stand-up. Like, once in a while, someone would be like, Hey, I saw you on TV. And I'd be like, yeah, I was on TV. And they were like, oh, that's, that's great. Yeah. And then that was it. The best compliment I got is I was in my home group a couple years ago, and this old cholo walks up to me, and he goes, Hey, i got to have him on. His name's Joseph. He's, like, one of my favorite people. He was like, hey, uh, I saw you on the TV last night playing the dozens. I said, that guy, that guy called you ugly, and I was like, where's some motherfucker? And I was like, I am, I literally, I just hugged him. I was like, you're my favorite human. That's, <laughs> that's, Dude, that's great. It really made my day. I was like, thank you. That's <laughs> great. Yeah. Is so, your last name really Valenzuela? It truly is Valenzuela. Okay. Yeah, I, went, I was going to go with a stage name, and a friend of mine uh, who used to write for Triumph, Okay. told me uh, my real name is my ticket into a writer's room to hold on to it. Who's that? Dave Taylor. Oh, Dave Taylor. Yes, best he's, a, he's an East Coast guy. He's the best worst person in the world. <laughs> <laughs> he's a oh, guy. maybe you're thinking about Dave Cyrus. I'm thinking Dave, Dave, I am Cyrus. thinking Dave Cyrus. Dave Cyrus also the best worst person. No, actually, yeah. he's a delight. There's no best worst person in the world with him. But Dave Taylor is the I know who Dave Taylor is. He's a very funny guy. He's super funny, and he's the one who basically bullied me into starting this podcast. That's a great idea. Yeah, he's the best. Good work, Dave Taylor. Yeah, Are we done? Almost. Uh, Two more questions. This I know is how I did my steps, too. I'm sorry. Um, oh, I don't have to look at my, my own part and everything, do I? Oh, what's your, what's your higher power thing? Like, what's your, what's your get down? Uh, so, I had a real problem with it when I started. Okay. Because uh, I didn't want to be... I was like... Anyone tries to get me to be Christian, I'm out of this thing. Yeah, I'll fight you. Um, yeah. Luckily, the guy who got me sober uh, is a hardcore atheist. Perfect. Like, real, raised Catholic, not into that scene anymore. Good for him. So, I was fighting it for a long time because just, like, the word God kept fucking with me. Yeah. And then one day, he was like, so how are you raised? Like, what was your religion? So I was raised in a Buddhist sect. And Whoa, you were? I was. I was raised yo, in a Buddhist sect. Yo, do you know Tom Goss? Yeah. He also was raised in a Buddhist sect. Okay. You two need to talk about that. Maybe. Yeah. Holy shit. All right, continue. 
So, my then sponsor, you know, now he's my sponsor emeritus. I love it. He still gives me sponsorial help when I need it. They all do. Um, he, uh, he said, so, well, so how are you? And he was, we were having no problem. He's like, look, he was like, look, I mean, I got, I got past this. And again, if you can't get past this, it's fine. But just understand, this is how I got sober. And I can't work with you. Um, and so I said, well, you know, it's like you chant every day. And the idea is that there's a power in the universe that connects us all and you know like there's karma and you chant like you chant for better karma and you chant for a better life and this life and the next life okay he's like so you're saying there's a power greater than yourself who uh you can turn your will over to yeah i said well yeah and he's like so you're saying you you did the third step yeah he's like so you have a higher power and i was like well kind of yeah he's like okay so that's your higher power that's it so that's still my higher power. It's just like a... Just a modified version. No, I still do the practice. Okay. I don't. I don't belong to the organization really anymore. Okay. But I still like the practice. The practice still for me is important and it keeps me... When I do it, which I don't always do, but it's like when I do it, it keeps me connected to my higher power. Yo, it's the longest episode of this podcast ever. I'm sorry. Not you, not you, Tom Goss. Okay. Listen to it. Okay. Yo. I probably won't, but... You two need to talk. I know, I laugh. I was like, it's a Joe Rogan-length podcast. Right. I've never... We were we had to take breaks. We were sweaty at the That's end. Fine. It was great. Uh, now I know why Joe Rogan's always so shiny. What's your higher power? You know, I don't. I was raised. I was raised in a twelve-step household. So my right. dad was in the program, and my mom was in and out of jails and institutions. Okay. He was a recovered Catholic. So I. Catholic Church, also an institution. Also an institution, yes. And I would. I wasn't raised with any really thing. He would, when he would get mad at me, part of my punishment would have to be to listen to um, Joseph Campbell's books on tape. Nice. Or Sid Hartha. He would read it to me. Nice. Uh, he was just trying to figure it out. He was trying to blend parenting with his recovery, and right. I get it. Um, so my concept of a higher power is very much, I don't know what it is, uh-huh. and I don't know what it wants, but I know that it is. And I'm okay with that. Okay. The not knowing is perfectly fine. Right. And um, and I have a conversation. I do a gratitude list. Uh, I do a gratitude list every day. I was actually behind on it, and I was doing it in the improv. And Dave gave me this stink eye. He was like, "What are you writing down?" I was like, "I'm doing a gratitude list." Shut up, grump. <laughs> um, and so like that's been that's been a good practice for me. But I. I I couldn't tell you exactly what it is. So you were stealing jokes and calling it a gratitude list? If you looked at it, you'd be like, this is a terror. It was still probably... I'm grateful for this joke I'm stealing. Yeah, yeah, no, it's like I'm literally writing a list. um, So, so yeah, so that's my... I I don't know, and I'm I'm okay with that. I just know that it is. If you said you definitely know, I'd be a little worried. Right. When people definitely know, they're either very, very new... Or they're very not, old. Or they're very old, and they met him. Um, I mean, the thing—the thing for me is just—I think there's something that you know. What? I think we'll never know really what 100% what's going on in yeah. the world around us, and the reason yeah. is 
because we just our brains aren't built to really perceive in every dimension around us. I really believe that. Yeah. And I think that um, as a result, it's like basically asking a blind man to explain an orange. Right. Like he could explain everything except for the color. Too big to yeah. It's too big to describe. Right. It's like he can feel it. He can yeah. taste it. He yep. can smell it. He can even hear it. Yeah. But then when it comes to describing what it looks like, he can say it's round and spherical and feels rough. Yeah. But that's as far as you can go. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like weird moments where you just know something's going to happen or something's not going to happen. It's those weird, it's those weird moments. It's the intuitive conversation. Sometimes life, as we were talking earlier, sometimes life just arranges itself in a way where you're like, that's not a coincidence. Can't be. Can't be a coincidence. Someone has been put in my path or taken out of my path or a job has been offered or a job has been offered. Yeah. I've had magical with drivers. It's the weirdest thing. It's like, where do they come from just yeah. dispensing advice all day? Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> and then I had the opposite. I walked into, I got into a cab. I was in a real bad mood last night. But yeah. uh, I got into a, an Uber and the guy was just blasting a podcast. Some interview with like Mike Tyson and a couple other guys. No. They're talking about drugs, and it's like a British guy was saying, got into saying that like AA is bullshit, and it, nobody goes to AA in Britain. And I was like, that's well, I know true. that's not true. <laughs> and then the whole ride home was just these three idiots talking about like uh, drugs and how important they are. I rarely give Uber drivers a bad rating. I gave this guy three stars and no tip, and yeah. that's like drastic for me. You should ask somebody. I know that uh, Alex, sometimes who co-hosts this podcast, Alex Young, he'll ask somebody, "Hey, do you mind if I listen to a podcast?" And he'll tell them what it is, and then he'll put it on. Right. And that I think is, if you're an Uber driver, just ask. Or don't listen to a podcast. Or yeah, just it's very listen to easy music. to listen to music. Or I, talk, you know. Or. And if you're a passenger and you can fall asleep whenever you want, that's a good opportunity to take a nap. I guess I could have asked them to turn the shit off, too. True, you could advocate for yourself. I guess if you want to do a 10-step office, my partner was, I did not make my needs clear. Yes. And instead I took it out on him by bringing his rating down and not tipping him. High five. We're living our best life. You're high-fiving me because I did the right thing, right? Yeah! No, I don't know. I might not. I might have given him a shitty rating, too. Um, okay, last question. You ready? Uh, let's do it. Let's do it. What is uh, one thing you would like to tell somebody just like yourself? In what sense? Like, just like, like myself? giving it away. Sense. You know how they say we can't keep it unless we give it away? This is going to sound really trite, and I apologize. Yay! There's a lot of trite at this question. It's great. Uh, but... First meeting I ever went to, I was talking to a guy named Scott. Shout out to Scott. Shout out, Scott. Shout out to Scott told me two great things. The second great thing he told me, which I quote because I'm year nine, yeah. is that years five to ten are called the wonder years because wonder where Scott went. Yeah. Thanks, man. Right? Because like, people just kind of disappear yeah. for, for those five years and then they yeah. come back yeah. or they relapse. Yeah. But the first thing he told me, I was standing outside in the dark with him in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Okay. Men's meeting. Uh, if I could remember the name of it, I would give it a shout out because it's a great meeting. Look it up. Look um, it up on your directory. <laughs> I think it's Saturdays at 6 maybe, but um, oh, yeah. in Greenpoint. Okay. Don't know if it's still the same church, but uh, okay. I was saying to him, God, I just don't know. I don't know if I can not drink for the rest of my life. I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if I can do it. 
Yeah. And he said the good thing about this program is that you don't have to not drink for the rest of your life. You just have to not drink for the rest of tonight. And then you wake up tomorrow morning and you just don't drink for that for that 24 hours. And he said, if you can do that, then you wake up the next morning and you don't drink for that 24 hours. And so the idea is, at the time I was like, Jesus, what the fuck is this guy talking about? It's like, I'm trying to get help here. This guy's telling me something about just staying sober for the rest of the day. I don't know if I can do that. Right. But then I did it. And then, like, later I was like, it is a 24-hour program. Yeah. And that's it. And so, and a lot of those slogans, man, they're, like, corny. They work. And they work. Seven days without a meeting makes one week. W-E-A-K. Yeah. I made fun of that for my first year of sobriety and then never again. Yeah. So there's a point where it's like, because first you do the 90 90. Yeah. And you're like doing it every day and you're right in the middle of it. And you're miserable, but you're in the middle of it. Yeah. And you've yeah. got a community and there's other people doing it. And like your first year of comedy, there's a delusion that gets you through. Right. Yeah. Well, my first year sober, I was like, the entire year, I was like, we're skipping this a year. Yeah. If it turns out I'm not really an alcoholic, then at the end of that year, yeah. I will move to Berlin where I can drink the way I want to drink and I won't ever have to see any of these people again. And then after a year, at my anniversary, first time, that's what we call it in New York, anniversary. Yeah, it's, it's a was, regional difference for sure. I was like... <laughs> do you guys do oh, cakes when you take your anniversary? We do. Okay. okay. So but, I, but my year, I was like, oh, that's a classic alcoholic thinking. That's okay. proof I'm an alcoholic. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. When people say... Um, uh, if there was a pill that could take it away, I would take 20 of them. <laughs> really? I've heard that one. I've heard the opposite. I've heard old timers in New York say, even if there was a pill that could take it away, I wouldn't take it. Interesting. You know, these because are... we're extraordinary. We're interesting. Well, also, those are like 65-year-old guys, and that's yeah. their life. It's like hanging out with their buddies every day. And, yeah. You know. I know. Fellowshipping with their buddies and... Grew up with all those guys in my living room. Yeah, no, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it's like it gives their lives a structure that being out drinking does not. Right. And that's one of the most important things that AA has done for me is given my life a structure and an ethical framework. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's pretty sweet. Where can people find you, and what do you want to plug? Well, people can find me. My website is heyitsliam.com. H-E-Y-I-T-S-L-I-A-M.com. When does this drop? It will be Sunday. Okay. August 7th? Or actually Monday. Okay. Yeah. Oh, is this this week? Yeah, this week. Okay, so August 7th, I will be doing a one-off Tell Your Friends show at the Improv Lab. Yay! At the Hollywood Improv at 10 o'clock. Yay! The admission will be ten dollars. I don't have a lineup yet because they just they just asked me to do it. So I d- oh yeah yeah. So I don't know. Congrats, Anna. You probably won't be on this one. That's okay. I will come and support. I have to try to get at least one big name so people actually show. Up. Hey, I get it. I get it. You gotta get them big names. I it's I feel like the biggest douchebag when I but I'm just rather be honest about it. It's just like yeah. No, I get it. I have like a ninety minute slot. Yeah. And I don't know enough people who don't do comedy to fucking know I'm going to fill it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, you know, if it becomes a monthly thing, definitely have it. Oh, yeah, I love that. 
Thank you. And I'm just being honest because it's like... I appreciate you. I had no expectation when you said anything. Well, you're having me on your podcast. You're buying me dinner. It's like a, you know... It's I'm, like re- I'm just doing it for favors. That's really... <laughs> Dude, I mean, it's, but you know, it's like... No, you do these There's things. a lot of people I've done favors for, and I've had to let go... Boy, talk about going back to your first question. Yeah, talk about surrendering. Surrendering. I've had to surrender the idea in this town that people would remember and reciprocate. Everything has to be done with no expectations. That's exactly right. And so we'll have you on Unrepresentable soon. As soon as the reason why I haven't booked some people is because we don't have much of an audience yet. So hurry up and come out. What's third un- Friday. What's Unrepresentable? It's a show that I do the third Friday of every month in Oinovina. Okay. So come out. I will come out. I didn't know. I had yeah. no idea that it was even a show. Yeah. But, but again, right. again, I will book you. But I want an audience. Look. That's the problem. It's like I want to book my friends, but I want there to be a fucking audience. But Anna, I come, I come watch a lot more shows in this town than you would think. I just I enjoy... I have to get better at that. Yeah. I, I've learned to enjoy just sitting and being a pe- person among people. Isn't it nice? Okay, so here's what I'm plugging. August Plug 7th, it. 10 p.m., Hollywood Improv Lab. Do it. Don't ask me for a spot if you're a comedian. Yeah, don't. Don't be uh, rude. I'm just kidding. You can ask. I'll just say no. Yeah. I'm good at saying no. I'm yeah, good at... Uh, HeyIt'sLiam.com. Also, I have a podcast... It's called Tell Your Friends History's Greatest Podcast. Yay. Recent guests include Jim and Jeannie Gaffigan. Ooh. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, and it's a good episode. Good get on Jeannie Gaffigan. Well, that's the thing is they they collaborate. Yeah, they're a team. And nobody ever talks to them about that. Yeah. And I'm going to listen to that. And have you seen his last special? Yes. A Noble Ape? Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. Incredible. He talks for 20 minutes about his wife being in the hospital with a brain tumor. Yeah. It's a true story. She got out of the hospital, immediately started work on helping him write, produce, and directing his special, which came out a year later. Damn. Right? Get it. Incredibly fascinating couple. Yeah. And it's like... I don't really hear people talking to her on podcasts. So it's like, yeah. I want to talk to them about the process. And, Yay. you know, it's like they're both old friends. So it was like a very, it was very cool to sit with them for 45 minutes and just, like, you know, the, thing, the nice thing about these podcasts is you can ask people questions that you can never do so far. Yep. That's so, literally what this whole podcast is about. Let's right. ask 12 very deep questions. So <laughs> that's, I talked to them. I talked to Dave Itzkoff, who's a culture reporter for the New York Times. Yeah. He wrote a best-selling book about Robin Williams called Robin, wow. which I loved. Great book. And I talked to people who are famous and who are not famous, but who interest me or who I know have a great story to tell. Yay! And so right now, because I'm, I've come back after a four-year hiatus... Mondays are new episodes. Okay. Thursdays are classic episodes. So this genius. So when you're listening to this, the most recent episode will be actually with two guys, but I haven't recorded the episode yet. But um, okay. But the Thursday episode, which is coming up for us, is a live show I did in Brooklyn Whoa. with a couple storytellers who are great. But then a panel of TV writers, including Jesse Klein, wow, who ran yeah. uh, uh, Schumer's show. Mm-hmm. Inside Amy Schumer, yeah. Brian Tucker, who's head uh, co-head writer for Saturday Night Live, uh, Andy Barowitz from the Barowitz Report, who co-created uh, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Wow. Um, I'm not. I'm just trying to go through the. Oh, Andy Blitz, who's a longtime SN, uh, Conan writer, and Chris Gethard, right? So when that dropped five years ago, nobody listened to it. 
I had a really popular podcast. Like, really... Dude, that's a long story. That was the least popular episode of all time. Interesting. From the beginning of my podcast. And I wow. don't know why. It was such an interesting talk. So I'm begging you guys, listen to that one. Yeah. But I'm also going to say one last thing about my podcast, which okay. is, in the interim, last year, these three dudes in Houston started a podcast called Tell Your Friends. And it's... Just the three of them in Houston getting drunk and shooting the shit for three hours. It's going to go away after a while, so I'm not bugging about it. Okay. But if you look on Apple Podcasts for Tell Your Friends, my podcast comes up. Okay. If you look for Tell Your Friends Podcast, their podcast comes up. Okay. So it's on SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify. It's all over the place. Go to T... Here's how you find it. TYFpodcast.com. TYF podcast or tell your friends podcast.com. You'll find it. And that's that's my plug, but I just wanted to like give your listeners the whole spiel because I'm unnecessarily neurotic and worried about everything. I love it. I love it. That's amazing. Um, Dude, this has been a great fucking interview. Thanks for asking me. Thank you for doing it. I really appreciate it. Before I did it, someone we know who's a mutual friend in the thing said, uh, uh, your name came up. And they're like, you got to do a podcast. It's great. Yeah. Like, what's your podcast? And they said 12 questions. And I said, oh, it's like that. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's exactly. It's based on 12 steps. So yeah. uh, your podcast came highly recommended. I think you're the only podcast I've said yes. No, I've said yes to two others since I came out here. Oh, yeah. But I don't like to plug. I don't like to do podcasts unless I'm plugging something. Yeah, I get it. But, uh, but I like, I love Anna Bellensville. Oh. But we were at, here's the thing, you didn't remember me in St. Louis, which is fine. I'm but, so sorry. No, 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 but listen to this. I'm going to pay you a compliment. Okay. Sincere. I saw you in the room. I was like, oh, good, Anna's here. At least it won't be a total shit show. Um, Turned out to be a great festival, but it, it was the was first night. Great. And I was like, oh, good, Anna Valenzuela's here. I like her. Oh, and then you didn't know remember me, and I was like, oh, my God. And then, I, then afterwards, I talked to our friend Whitney, and I was like, is Anna cool? Is she all right? And he's like, yeah, no, she's totally cool. Don't worry about it. She's still remember who you are. And I was like, oh, so even though I'm really famous and memorable. You are Okay, so here's... Okay. I, I wasn't... I was, when did we first meet? Help me out. This is an open mic. This, you shouldn't have remembered me. I remember everybody. You shouldn't have remembered me. So, okay. So here's... Depending on if it... Okay, so if it was just post-Roast Battle, what happened is I was on... That was it. I moved here right when Roast Battle... Okay. So I, I was on a medication oh. that... That affected my short-term memory. Oh Jesus! I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It was. It's called Lupron. They use it for two things: eating tumors in ladies' bodies and eating tumors in testicles. Oh wow! And it gives you. uh, It gives you menopausal symptoms. Oh wow! And memory loss, and it made my hair fall out. Right. It was fantastic. Um. And uh, but there is nothing better than like watching a um like getting on a, a message board for the medication and seeing right. a bunch of guys talk about having hot flash and cramps <laughs> and shit it was great um but uh so so and i'm not saying that's an excuse no 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 i wasn't it was listening. during that time yeah it was. there's a gang of people right that I don't fucking no it's all right but listen so i wasn't bugged out about it i still had a great time with you at the festival we you had were, the best time we had the best time Kevin and then, casey white made me bring you up yeah. on your showcase show that you were headlining as him right <laughs> i didn't i didn't like that so much but Sorry. i like no no, no it was not your fault that, I said yes to that because I thought he was kidding. Um, he was, I mean, 
mean, but that's how like fun and silly and wild and right. like what a clubhouse kind of experience. Well, exactly. Was. It was great. It was, it was great. great. And so it was so great. And so the thing was, it was like, and then when I got back to LA, I was like, so it was. I, was like, I see you everywhere now. Well, I, was, I see you all the time. <laughs> well, I was like, my experience with Anna isn't that she was an asshole. So I, I said that when you, I think you might have even said you were taking medication at some point. I, I, I had anyway, to stop going to potluck for a while because I forgot I got on stage and I completely oh no. forgot my set. Oh no. Yeah, it was bad. I couldn't go to audition. I'm mic. sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. Because. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Because what it's allowed me to do is A, that humbled me so much. Right. And B, like, it's, a, it's, it's fine. But I can't I didn't, change it. But that's why I didn't flip out on you because I was like, hey, I shouldn't expect everyone to remember me when they meet me. So and B, impressed. I don't know what's going on in her life. Like, I'm so And C, I meet a thousand people and I don't remember most of them. Well, I'm so grateful that we've gotten a chance to like... I'm My so, brain is garbage now. Thank I drank you. a lot of brain cells away, so... I did acid when I was a teenager, like 13, yeah. 14 years old. My brain is a fun house. Dude, I don't take it personally. I'm very honest with people when I say I'm terrible with names. I don't remember your name. I'm sorry. Because yeah. it's just like I've been through the... It's very obvious when you don't know someone's name, and it's very obvious when you don't remember someone when you're seeing them. Right? I so, like, thought you were from, I was like, oh, he's from New York. I just like... Yeah, yeah, I you said that to me. Like, and I was like, okay. I, said, I literally <laughs> said to myself, okay, she doesn't know who I am. That's cool. Because I know I have... I'm very pompous. Oh. And in fact, I was, I was hanging out with a friend, and she was just like, yeah, no, we all know you have a big ego. And I was like, yeah, I do. That's fair. I'm so I I'm still am and I so have an ego. I'm pompous and I have an ego and it's totally I'm totally it's one of those uh, things where I'm like that's a character defect I keep it in check but I understand it's just part of how I'm built I'm again so Why, sorry man? I'm so embarrassed and so thank cool. you so much for doing the podcast no, and how we end this podcast every time is we're not gonna hug are we no it's okay. worse it's worse than that I prayer? say if you, nobody's told you this today I love you I love you too man and if you're listening and nobody's told you this today we love you you know I love you guys thank you for listening I, lo- I love you for listening yeah. uh, I love you for supporting my career and that's it. Thanks, Anna. Thank you. And it's a ray of sunshine. It's very fun to hang out with on, on a social level. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye.